0: The night may be long, and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. It's Wednesday on the
1: West, Thursday on the East. Many of you are stuck somewhere in between. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio
0: with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome J.V. Johnson. It's not only Wednesday on the East, but it's, um... It's 2019. I, I'm just scratching my head. I 2019. I remember, you know, thinking, well, a while ago now, thinking, wow, boy, the year 2000, that's going to be pretty amazing. But it's so far in the future. I'm never going to have to, you know, blah, blah, blah never gonna get, And now we're 20, almost 20 years into the new millennia. I, it's, just, it's just really, really difficult for me to accept it. What's funny, I remember as a kid watching
1: that show, and you, you might even remember it, uh, back in the 80s, it was Beyond 2000.
0: Man, which is yeah, all I the do.
1: futuristic stuff sure. and uh, we're going to have cars that, that fly <laughs> and, and this that the other thing and, and of course none of that ever happened but yeah. it it
0: has I, I don't know i will say like the last 20 years have flown by just at, and you and i were just talking before before we went on air here i mean it was 10 years ago you and i were hanging out uh up at the spalding inn in new hampshire for new year's eve at a big That's new right. year's eve party up there remember yeah, that Least doesn't Killer parties. We up there. we did, and it came up on my Facebook memories, and it just made me laugh. But just to think that was ten years ago, I, I just don't understand where the time well, goes.
1: And you and I, we've been friends for a long
0: time. Yeah, I mean we're going on twenty years, almost yeah, two decades. Are. Yeah, and that makes are. us really old. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, does that mean we're common law? Uh, whatever common that means. <laughs> well, I,
1: I think we'd have to live together. <laughs> okay, but, good. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe the time, the amount of times on vacation could uh, account. I know that, that might add up. That. That might, so. But you know, speaking
0: of time and time passing. Um, our guest tonight actually has some really, really cool information and research about time and time slips and travel, uh, time travel. Uh, Joshua P. Warren, a great friend of ours, is going to be on with us tonight. Yeah,
1: Josh has been a friend for a long time, just, just an incredible investigator, and, and my God, he's he's done so many different things, too. So it's great to have him on. But, uh, yeah, he's a paranormal investigator. He, he's involved in all these different things. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're going to be amazed. I think you'll be amazed by the show tonight.
0: Yeah, And he caught a time anomaly um, in uh, Vegas. La- Yeah, in the Las Vegas area, and he's been doing a lot of research on it, and he's going to talk about that. Plus, he's going to talk about uh, uh, parasimatics, which is the use of vibration, certain frequencies and vibration, that actually, when you, when you take a surface and you vibrate it at a certain frequency and you put like sand or something on that surface, it'll create a pattern. And he contends, and, and many people are looking into this, that those patterns are actually sigils. They're actually some kind of paranormal information, and they're um, and they're related to things like crop circles. So some cool stuff here. That's so beyond me. You were talking about time earlier, and
1: uh, I don't know if you remember, but the uh, Baba Vanga, who is yeah. the uh, mm-hmm. the female known as the Nostradamus of the Balkans, yeah, she passed away back in '96 at age 85. Uh, and more than two decades since, uh, records of her prophecies still continue uh, to stir the, uh, the imaginations out there. But uh, she, she said she they claim that she had accurately foreseen such events like 9-11 and a 2005 tsunami in Indonesia. But her predictions for 2019 include a new devastating tsunami in Asia, a giant meteorite hitting Russia, an economic collapse for the European European Union, which eh, might very well, well happen. I tell you, yeah, we've never been yeah. been closer to that. Yeah. Additionally, she reported, uh, descri- well, she reportedly described an assassination attempt on Vladimir Putin and a baffling illness for Donald Trump occurring in the forthcoming year. Hmm. And she made a lot of different predictions. Uh, Some other ones were between 2170 and 2256, a Mars colony stocked with nuclear weapons will demand independence from Earth. Ooh. It's like it's a new uh, uh, revolution for freedom there. Exactly. Between 2262 and 2304, time travel will be discovered and developed. So hopefully somebody from the future is playing this podcast back and they can come back and let us know how it went. I think that'd be kind of cool.
0: I um, you know, I, I love looking at predictions, and I love it when we can actually go back and look at uh, past predictions and determine whether or not there was any accuracy in there. And I, when you've got things like Nostradamus, who I think is a fascinating character in history. Um, but his, many of his things are so vague they can be interpreted to be, That's true. you know, any time. I mean, people said, you know, that he had for, uh, predicted Hitler, but then they said, no, no, that was 9-11. And they said the same thing was, no, it was the Gulf War, it was this, that. You know, it's so easy to interpret them in different ways because they're a little ambiguous um, that it's hard to really know if, if he was accurate or not. But I do like it when they're specific and we can actually go back and check. Hey gang, JV here. You know that great nutrition can lead to a great life. Healthy, happy, rewarding. But that nutrition simply cannot be found in the foods we eat alone. Take a minute and assess your health, the way you feel, the way your family feels, the way your kids feel. Health is more than just feeling well. It's also making sure you have a strong immune system, especially in these trying times. Vitamins aren't enough alone. In fact, they have to be the right vitamins, the right supplements made from the most effective ingredients. Otherwise, they don't do the job. It makes the world of a difference. There's a new website you can visit that will help you navigate these ideas and guide you to better health. There's no obligation. Just visit MyHealthRocksNow.com. That's MyHealthRocksNow.com and start feeling better today. Anyway, welcome back to the show. It's Beyond, Beyond Reality Radio. Uh, we're going to have our guests in just a second, but I want to remind you we'll be opening up the phone lines in the second half of the program if you want to join our discussion at uh, 844-687-7669. And tonight we're talking with Joshua P. Warren, paranormal researcher and investigator. He's got his hands in almost everything uh, that would be considered paranormal and more. Joshua, welcome back to Beyond Reality Radio. It's great to have you back with us.
2: Hey, well, Jason and JV, it is always an honor to be with you. It's a fun show, and so thank you for having me, and Happy New Year.
1: Ah, happy New Year, and thanks for coming on, Josh. It's always a pleasure having you on, and uh, yeah, I, we've known each other for a long time, so it's always great to be able to talk with you.
2: Well, uh, likewise, my friend, I tell you, you know, it's, it's wild because it seems like every time we talk, so much new stuff has happened in the world of paranormal investigation research experimentation that it's, uh, it's kind of a whirlwind of information to keep up with, so it's always nice to be able to touch base and sort of explain what's happening right now in the world.
0: This is a particularly short segment. We've got about a minute and a half, but I did want to ask you if you had uh, seen any reports on or seen the video from uh, Christmas Eve off of the coast of South Carolina that the woman took of the unidentified flying ob- object. Do you happen to catch that?
2: Yes. Well, you know, my hometown is Asheville, North Carolina, which is about a four-hour drive from the Charleston, South Carolina area, so I've spent many, many uh, weekends at Kiowa Island. Very nice place. Uh, Fancy, you know, upper-end type of establishment and that whole area is known for an enormous amount of paranormal activity. Ghostly phenomena, UFOs, in fact uh the history of that area I think is the explanation. Um, but what I can tell you about this particular video is that it's unfortunate that all we have is a dot of light in a black sky because we don't have any great context for what we're looking at But I am not surprised uh, to think this is a legitimate, uh, unidentified flying object or uh, aerial phenomena or whatever, because it's been quite common around there for, uh, I would say, actually hundreds of years. And when we come back from the break, we can get more into the history of that area, if you'd like.
1: Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say you can't say that and then just leave us hanging on that. There has to there has to be more to it. So, and I we, we love the area. Uh, JV and I are always down there as well and it, it's such a beautiful area and it does have an incredible history.
0: And one of the difficult things about that area and you're going to give us a little bit of the history of the paranormal activity in that area, but one of the difficult things is that it's a um, it's an area with a lot of military activity. Does that kind of taint the waters at all?
2: Yes, well, whenever you have paranormal hotspots, there is usually some kind of a military installation nearby. And so, hence, we have this sort of, if you want to call it a conspiracy, about whether or not that the military is aware of these areas on planet Earth where strange things happen and, and studies it. And uh, maybe it's just uh, a parallel... Um, interest between these other types of beings and, and the military, because these are logical places that are strategic for some type of a project on Earth. But nonetheless, looking in particular around Charleston, South Carolina, well, you know, pirates have always been rampant around that part of South Carolina. And, you know, that whole area from uh, well, really going all the way down to, to Florida and over to the island of Bermuda. And then, of course, Puerto Rico has more or less been a weird area that we've kind of generally referred to as the Bermuda Triangle. But more specifically, when it comes back to South Carolina, if you look at that coastline from Kiowa Island up to Sullivan's Island, that is where, especially during the 1700s, many, many, many of the slaves were brought to this country from Africa. In fact, I believe it is considered the number one port of entry for slaves from Africa. And so it already has this sort of, you know, terrible, uh, haunting energy from all of those people being brought there in chains. But then when they came in, of course... They had nothing to rely on except their sense of spirituality. And the Gullah culture, as they call it to this day, which exists around there, is sort of a combination of some of the African tribal religions, be it uh, IFA, you know, voodoo-type things uh... combined with some of the early forms of of colonial christianity so that right there is a huge fingerprint which is unique in the u s now we move beyond that well in the american revolutionary war well my goodness uh... south carolina played an integral role in that uh... it was occupied by the british And uh, this is an area that uh, a lot of the political powers were, were revolving around, where a lot of terrible torment and stuff happened. But then we go up to, of course, the beginning of the Civil War in the 1860s. Well, South Carolina was the first state to secede from the Union. And the very first shot of the Civil War was fired there at Fort Sumter. Off the coastline of Charleston, and of course that began the, the the biggest, most violent tragedy in the history of this country and uh, it, it, if you continue from there, you see that uh, that area played a big uh, impact uh, had a big impact in, in world war two at, at fort moultrie and, uh, and and it sort of goes on and on so basically. Bottom line is when people often ask me, What do you think is the most haunted place in in America? I know there are a lot of great candidates New Orleans, uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, St. Augustine. I mean, you can go down uh, a list. Asheville, North Carolina, my hometown, very haunted place. You go to the West Coast, you have San Francisco. Yeah, but I always say, It's the area around Charleston, South Carolina, and so whether or not when we're looking at these strange lights, we're talking about ghosts or UFOs or some other type of paranormal phenomenon, it is not at all surprising for these things to be captured around that coastline.
1: Well, and you're talking about ghosts and everything else. I mean, they have uh, the Pawnee Island out there and deal with the gray man before the storms. He's usually uh, letting him know of impending storms, and, and there's so much more going on. And didn't Blackbeard uh, ship actually run aground out there as well?
2: Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, Blackbeard, he came a little north, and uh, it was around North Carolina, the Outer Banks, Ocracoke, where you know Blackbeard met his demise. But you're absolutely right. I'm glad you brought that up, Jason, because in South Carolina, right there at Pauly's Island, where people have seen the the gray man all the way up until last year, by the way, um, going back hundreds of years, this takes us to the idea of a harbinger, that there are certain places on this planet where people see uh a ghostly manifestation just before something tragic occurs. And uh, as you fellas know, uh up until this year I've spent the better part of the last five or six years in Puerto Rico. And uh I even have talked on this program about the incredible amount of harbingers that we're seeing uh, seen in, in Puerto Rico before, uh during and even after the big hurricane hit there. So uh, that's another great example, the Gray Man of Pauly's Island, and uh, why that this area is one of those places the ancient Europeans would call a thin place, where you seem to have higher chances of glimpsing through the veil into another dimension.
0: We're talking with Joshua P. Warren, Paranormal Investigator Research. We'll be taking your phone calls later in the program at 844-687-7669. So, Joshua, going back to this video, and then we're going to have to change the subject just so we can get to some of these other things that we wanted to talk about tonight. Um, you know, as I watch it, <clears throat> I see a, um, you know, almost looks like an afterburner kind of thing. Uh, it's hard to tell because it is uh, it's just, a, like you said, just a dot in a dark sky. Um, did you give it any analysis, or is that forthcoming?
2: Well, you know, I have uh, analyzed it best I can, and here's one thing that will help to give a a better perspective of where I come from. Uh, For years, I hosted at Produced and Hosted, this was my idea, an event where I got the top hobbyists and sci-fi folks and tinkerers in the country to come together and go out into the middle of nowhere in a field in a place called Barnardsville, North Carolina, and uh, participate in a contest where they would build UFOs. And the only rules were it has to fly on its own accord, and it has to be safe. Now, this is even back before we had drones. And so we, I saw every type of sort of machine you can imagine, not to mention artistic renditions where some people were so talented. Uh, like one guy named, named Jim uh, Robison, he could take different uh, Chinese lanterns and things like that, and he could analyze the wind currents and he could launch them at just the right time to get them to line up in a gigantic V-shape. I mean, it's astounding stuff. <laughs> uh, and so I have seen what humans are capable of producing. And now that we have drones out there, of course, that makes it even more complicated. So given all that as context, what I can say is that whenever you just have a light, a dot like we have here in the middle of blackness, it is impossible to draw any conclusions. But if I wanted to look at that from the most doubtful, skeptical point of view possible, I would say it could be a Chinese lantern if that was a windless night. But if you don't have the information about the air currents and the temperature and all these conditions, um, you know, you can't really determine, because a Chinese lantern would be moving, it wouldn't be acting like that. And a drone couldn't fly that way either. So I would say it, it has to fall on that 50-50 line, because we just don't have enough information to draw a conclusion. But again, if you consider the history of that area that go, goes back hundreds of years, it would not surprise me if this was something truly paranormal.
0: Josh, we need to turn uh, the discussion to some of the work that you've been doing most recently, although I think you're always working on everything. But uh, tell us about parasomatics. What is it and what is it all about?
2: Yeah, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to sort of refresh everybody. I think I have probably mentioned this on the show before, but now I'm taking this into a whole new arena. And I'm telling you, literally one hour before I got on this show, I just made a breakthrough, and so this is going to be my very first time to actually (laughs) tell everybody I did this on the program tonight. Uh, First off, when I investigated Robert the Haunted Doll down in Key West, probably about 10 years ago, or actually it's probably been more than that, um, I was the first person who got an opportunity to shine a UV light on him without the glass case and I saw this strange symbol that was only visible under UV light appear on his sleeve. And I wondered what the heck that symbol was, and it turns out it looks very much like an ancient sigil, which is a symbol that magicians would sort of use as the final stamp on a ritual. So I became very interested in all this, especially because of that. And then, at the same time, I, of course, was studying radionics, psionics, psychotronics, things that are more popularly known as wishing machines, um, which are basically machines that are mind machines, that are designed for you to sort of put your thought and intention into. And often, these wishing machines and uh, psionic machines use patterns. So it's a very similar thing. And for many years, I've seen how much success that people have had using radionics technology, uh, using patterns. And I'm talking about, you know, not just uh, spooky stuff, you know, conjuring up ghosts and having psychic experiences, but also people doing some very positive things for themselves. I mean, I put some, um, some information on my website about uh, wishing machines and psionics and uh well just uh last month a guy named david won five hundred and eighty one thousand dollars in the georgia lotto uh using one of the wishing machines wow. and then there is a guy named and, and this is a fact i mean
1: powerball uh, powerball's coming up soon so say that again yeah <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I'm telling you, I can email you, I can forward you his email if you want to verify what I'm telling you. Uh, there's another guy named Martinez who won over $10,000 in a casino, uh, using one of these sigils. Now all this stuff is available, you know, you can learn all about it at at joshuapwarren.com. But I'm, what I'm, the point I'm making here is this is, this is real stuff that's impacting people's real lives. And so I started wondering, how is it that some of these sigils come to be? Like, how is it that they manifest? And it took me back to the work of a scientist in Germany who was also a musician named Ernst Schlodney. He lived in the late 1700s, early 1800s. And he would take flat pieces of steel and sprinkle salt or sand on them, and he would run a violin bow down the side, and he would see them snap into all these patterns. And I started looking at a lot of these patterns that we create today using this technique that we now call cymatics, and I saw how similar that they look to a lot of these magical symbols or sigils. And so my, my, the way I began this research was by saying, okay, what if I take this to another level? called Parasymatics, where I take different tones and create these patterns in matter, and then as the tone is being played, I speak a message into it, like I want to attract a ghost, or I want to attract more money, or I want to have psychic experiences. You know, what happens if you take the actual, um, the pattern. Uh, the the symbol that's created by Mother Nature in that medium, and then you use that as your sigil. So I experimented with sand and salt and all these things, and I finally settled on on just water, because water is a great uh, three-dimensional medium that shows these patterns very well. So I recorded a bunch of messages, and I played them through water, and then I started viewing them by different kinds of light, uh, laser light, infrared light, ultraviolet light, and I picked out the type of lighting that seemed to make them really pop, you know, when I'd get that symbol. And then I would take that sigil that I would get, that symbol, and I would post it on my website. Uh, and you can find them all for free on my website. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you scroll down the home page of my website, you'll see... Uh, like four of them, but there's a link where you can click it and you can see the latest where I've continued my research. And I said, I'm giving all this out there for free to the world. Uh, let me know. If you take one of these sigils and you just put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day, um, what happens to you? And I'm telling you, the emails that I've gotten every single day, they basically flood my inbox from people all over the world who have had astounding experiences using this technique, just staring at these symbols that I'm giving away for free, like I say, because this is an experiment for me. And I know we're coming up on the break, so what I will tell you is that I now have taken this to what I call 2.0 and when we get back from the break that's what I'm going to sort of break on your show tonight what 2.0 is
0: all about All right. before we go to break here we do have about a minute and I want to ask you about uh, the process involved here you're using standard English messages when you speak
2: yes I am actually using my own voice Mm -hmm. I am the one who is giving so there that that is the subjective part of this Mm -hmm. so I guess you could call it a combination of art and science but I don't know how, much, how else you do it yeah. because you want to have the human experience involved here. And so I use my own voice to say what the intention is. And that changes the pattern that the tone is creating. And then we have a snapshot of that tone. And by the way, I demonstrated this for over a 100 people live in person last year in May here in Las Vegas, where I did a big event, so everybody got to see in person how all this works. And I do have some video footage that gives you an idea on my website as well. But yes, I am interjecting that message, and then I'm capturing that using... Like I say, either laser, infrared, or ultraviolet, and then turning that into a sigil that I put on my website, and they give out for free, and then people contact me and tell me what they've been experiencing, and some people are even getting it tattooed on themselves because it's been such a positive thing for them. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. Not only is that information amazing, which we'll get back to after the break, but the fact that Joshua knew the break was coming up. I mean, we could just actually just walk walk away, Jay. let him <laughs> yeah, It's because he's so used to
1: doing this <laughs> know, stuff. No, a pro. <laughs> But it's
0: funny you brought up the tattoo thing, because I was going to ask him about that, because it just seemed only logical. I mean, get all those things tattooed on you, call it a day. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash joha. That's J-O-H-A-W.
1: It's Wednesday on the West, Thursday on the East. Many of you are stuck somewhere in between. Welcome to Beyond Reality Radio with me, Jason Hawes, and the always awesome J.V. Johnson. Did we wish everybody a, a Happy New Year? I think we kind of did. did I we think. did.
0: But you can never say it enough. I hope It's yes, because everybody... you're still over from New Year that you don't remember that. <laughs> you know, I actually, um, I actually played a gig New Year's Eve, uh, which was a lot of fun, but uh, it doesn't give me a lot of time to get into the party side of it because by the time I'm ready to party, everybody's going home because I'm done playing. You know, I've so, partied with you on New Year's. <laughs> yeah, you have <laughs> (laughs) It can be a a violent time. (laughs) Violent? I don't think there was any violence, was there? I just mean to our bodies. Yeah, okay. Well, it was abusive for sure, yeah. Uh, Welcome to the show, everybody. And I hope everybody has uh, made their New Year's resolutions. I know I make mine. I think I already broke it already, but that's okay. I mean, at least I made some. Mine is to come up with some great, Ideas for 2020. <laughs> that's a that's a, that's a so I've got goal. a whole year to plan them out. That's a great goal. I like that one. You know, I think ahead. Um, tonight we're talking with Joshua P. Warren. He's a paranormal investigator and a researcher, and uh, he um, has his fingers in almost every. Uh, genre of the paranormal, and tonight we're talking about several of them, including parasimatics, his research uh, in converting tones into magical sigils, and uh, converting images like crop circles into tones. Um, plus, we're going to talk about his time mas- time machine project. Uh, he discovered a time slip near Las Vegas, and last time he was on the program, he was talking about that. Uh, tomorrow night, we've got Rebecca Foster joining the show. She will be uh, conducting her... her um, Readings with Rebecca the first Thursday of January, so we're excited to have her uh, with us tomorrow night. And then next week, we've got Randall Sullivan, writer of The Legendary
1: Treasure on Oak Island. And we're going to be talking to him about, well, just the the rumored treasure that's there, uh, the possible reward, just all the stuff that's gone into this search, and uh, if he really believes that there's something there.
0: And uh, so it's going to be an interesting show. Yeah. And if anybody's been watching the television show, you have to be reminded that uh, that, what, that, that season six for uh, Curse of Oak Island, the show? I believe so. Yeah. Um, So they've been looking for six years, but uh, people have been looking for over 200. And, uh, you know, there's been various reports of various things found but it's really hard to find those things whether it's the 90 foot stone which in the last episode they think they may have found they're not sure things like that you know that are kind of talked about and written about but uh haven't been found well it's funny and the
1: last episode that aired that guy who came out there and, and was helping him out with uh, the rocks and all that did he look familiar to you he did look familiar to me. Why? Redneck Redneck Rockets or whatever that show that they did on History Channel and, and oh, so forth. He, was, was, he, was, he was, was the one that they actually designed those rockets and were constantly blasting them off and doing stuff in, uh, out of his garage. All right, well that makes sense no. you now. I didn't it up. And I, I was looking at him and I, I was I would sit next to the wife and I go, I know that
0: guy from somewhere. Yeah. And finally it clicked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would never have gotten it unless you said it though. But uh, yeah, now it makes sense. Anyway, uh, so we've got a great uh, discussion going on with Joshua P. Warren. By the way, visit his website, Joshua P. Warren, no uh, period after the initial P, joshuapwarren.com. Check out uh, all the information he's got on there. He's got uh, just a wealth of uh, resources and information that you can access for free, uh, plus information about his books. And um, Joshua, we were talking about uh, your, your work in parasymatics and the whole concept that that vibrations and frequency and sound and all these things that that uh, kind of are connected through um, through uh, waves of some kind um, are really starting to take a spotlight in many of our paranormal disciplines. What's the connection here?
2: Well. you <sighs> in a minute, I truly am about to break some news on this program here, because, again, about an hour before I got on the air, I uh, I did something for the first time that I am delighted to report. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, it goes back to the connection between all the conventional classical paranormal manifestations and time anomalies. So let's Let's take, say, ghost for example. That's an easy one. Uh, usually when people see a ghost, they feel like they are looking at someone or something from the past. And it's not always just a spirit. In some cases, it can be a whole landscape, a whole setting, like an imprint that's sort of recorded in the past. And so that's one form of ghostly phenomena. Uh, when it comes to UFOs, again and again, we have these situations where people talk about missing time, or you have the classic scenario where the guy in Texas is driving down the road at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night in his pickup truck, and all of a sudden... The Steven Spielberg light appears over his truck and the truck stops working. And then, uh, the saucer flies away and the truck just starts working again. It doesn't like he has to, it's not, it's not like he has to turn the ignition as if it had shut down the engine. I mean, he just, uh, was experiencing some moment where uh, he may have still been cognizant of what was happening, but the, the truck wasn't working. And then, of course, with cryptids, you have these stories that are oft repeated about someone following some cryptid, like Bigfoot, and all of a sudden, Bigfoot just vanishes and the footprints vanish in mid-pathway. It, it's obvious when it comes to psychic phenomena, the idea that people can peer into the future or the past. And so time seems to be the central element to all of this. And when you, you, you take that into consideration, and I've written about this for, for many years. One of my books, like you mentioned, is uh, The Secret Wisdom of Kukulkan, which you can download as uh, an ebook on my website. When you take that into consideration, it definitely makes you think well, if we understand the relationship between space-time and the human experience, we're going to explain a lot of these paranormal phenomena. So before we get into that, which is a whole other aspect of what we can dig into tonight, let's jump back for a second to parasymatics. So with parasymatics, I was telling you that what I was basically trying to do was take tones and turn them into images, and then use those images as sigils or symbols that a person could be exposed to, and I give instructions on my website about this, to see if being exposed to that sigil would actually uh, give you some of that energy from that message. Uh, and, And you could look at things like, let's say, the Christian cross, for example. I mean, people see the Christian cross, there's an impact there, there's a meaning there. Whatever you think of it, there's a meaning there. And so I was very interested in seeing how tone could create that, but then I realized, oh boy, if I am looking into how to do this, maybe I can take this into 2.0, which is where I am right now, and that is, how can I take an image and turn it into a tone? And this is much, much more complicated because it's one thing to take cymatics and add a little bit of information to it and then turn it into parasymatics. But to take a tone from an image is a whole different ball game. I mean, can you imagine if we reverse this process and we could take, uh, well, crop circles, the book of the dead, the Great Pyramids, Stonehenge, the Mona Lisa, the Lord's Prayer, a picture of Zeta reticuli, a water molecule. I mean, these are these are things that are images that we might be able to reverse engineer into a tone that would give us some kind of information. And I tonight have made a breakthrough on how to do that. So before I continue I want to make sure that uh, you two are sort of uh, helping me explain this properly.
0: Well, I just want to, I, I mean, it's easy for me to understand how you would take audio of any kind and um, make the transition from that audio, which is sound waves, that in themselves have a frequency and a vibration to create those patterns. I'm having difficulty understanding how we go the other way, Joshua.
2: I understand, because it is so much harder. (laughs) This is some truly groundbreaking stuff. I mean, I've been working on this now for over a year. And tonight, you know, I was going to do my experiment tomorrow night, but I wanted to do it tonight uh, before I came on the air, just so I could talk about it. And and what you're saying
0: here is that you've actually been able to take images. And by images, do you mean photographs?
2: Well, uh, primarily, but in, in some cases, they're things that are not photographed, like a water molecule. Okay. I mean, you see, like, that's one of the cool things about this. Uh, there are things that will be impossible for me to do in my life. Like, I'm not going to be able to travel to Zeta Reticuli. I'm not where they say the grays come from. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to reduce myself down to, you know, viewing a, a molecule. I'm not going to get to travel to Mars. And yet, I'm hoping that I can take images of those things, which in some cases can be photographs, in other cases can be diagrams, and extract the tone from them. But it begins with a lot of subjectivity because, hey, what perspective do you use in the image, right? Right.
0: This is going to be an interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah, no this this is this is fascinating and I we have to take a break here. So let's do that first before we get into the details of all of this because this is groundbreaking information and groundbreaking science in in uh, in our effort to explain some of these things. Yeah, it Really is. And we're going to be opening up the phone lines for
1: everybody too in case you have any questions at 844-687-7669 again toll free at 844-687 7669. Our guest, Joshua P. Warren. You'll listen to Jason and JV, Beyond Reality Radio. We'll be back after this.
0: Hey, gang, JV here. You know that great nutrition can lead to a great life healthy, happy, rewarding. But that nutrition simply cannot be found in the foods we eat alone. Take a minute and assess your health, the way you feel, the way your family feels, the way your kids feel. Health is more than just feeling well. It's also making sure you have a strong immune system, especially in these trying times. Vitamins aren't enough alone. In fact, they have to be the right vitamins, the right supplements, made from the most effective ingredients. Otherwise, they don't do the job. It makes the world of a difference. There's a new website you can visit that will help you navigate these ideas and guide you to better health. There's no obligation. Just visit MyHealthRocksNow.com. That's MyHealthRocksNow.com, and start feeling better today. Welcome back to the program. It's Beyond Reality Radio, Jason and J.V. Our guest tonight, Joshua P. Warren, paranormal investigator and researcher. And, Joshua, we're talking about uh, parasymatics and the idea that you can take uh, audio and vibrations and sound and actually create patterns, which in, in the case of what we're talking about tonight, you're actually able to use as sigils. And uh, now we're talking about something that's a little harder to understand, and that's reversing the process, taking images um, and reversing them into what exactly, Joshua?
2: uh well reversing them into tones and you're right this was so much more difficult that it almost deserves to be treated as an entirely different field because basically okay l- let me let me start by saying uh let's say you and I both enjoy the music of beethoven but there is no way that we're apparently in our own lifetimes anyway, going to be able to travel back and sit in some concert hall and hear Beethoven perform, uh, conduct his symphony orchestra. Uh, we We don't have that available to us. However, Beethoven took a bunch of paper and essentially put black dots all over it in order to represent what he was doing. And pass that along. And so now, in the year 2019, if you know how to interpret those black dots, well, you can, you can play that with a, with a violin, with a cello, whatever, and you get a very close experience to this thing that Beethoven captured for you with black dots on white pieces of paper. Now, if you gave that same piece of paper, that sheet music, to an alien, now the alien let's say let's say he doesn't play the fiddle he doesn't play the cello he doesn't play the the bass he has no idea what this is all he's looking at is a bunch of uh illustrations so the first thing he's going to do is start scanning it using some kind of method as a base reference point in order to see what comes out of it and so bearing that in mind I began to wonder is it possible that all images in life are kind of like sheet music and that everything is trying to give us some kind of tone and if read properly, well then maybe we'll learn something about the music of that thing. And the first challenge again goes back to point of view I mean let's take Stonehenge for example well Stonehenge can be shot from a thousand different perspectives if you want a picture of it do you shoot it from overhead like a bird or do you shoot it from the left or the right or what do you know so there is always going to be a subjective element um, because you have to figure out what your your point of view is but that said I went through and I took all of these images from all of these different points of view of different things that we kind of at this point as humans think of as being mystical, metaphysical, you know, paranormal, whatever. And then I put them into this process that I invented. Now this is uh, something that I'm, I'm very uh, happy to say I invented, created, developed this process, but I've been working with a number of engineers over the past year to create different components of it. So here's the gist of it. What I do is I take a picture of something, Let's, let's start with Stonehenge, and I put that picture into a situation where it is being scanned by a number of lasers. And as it's being scanned, the image is moving. And now there are different ways of doing that, which I'll get back to in a minute. But as the image is being scanned, the laser light from the image is going into a sophisticated photoreceptor unit that takes that light that's reflected from that image and turns it into some kind of a tone. And then I take the tone and I plug that into a computer where I assimilate all of this and then put it through a process that brings out the most emphatic parts of the tone. And what I come up with is an individual tone and fingerprint for that image.
0: Now, Joshua, when we're talking about, you say a tone, is it a single note or is it a almost, uh, is it symphonic in the sense that it's multiple notes and more musical than just maybe a single tone would be?
2: Well, that's a great question because... um, I wouldn't say it's a single tone uh because we are scanning it, and so therefore, I would say it's probably about um two and a half to three seconds worth of scan condensed into what sounds like a single tone and uh, and and by the way, you know i uh, as always, was absolutely delighted and thrilled to come on your program tonight, but I want to just emphasize that I was literally in the middle of being the first person in human history to hear the tone created by Zeta Reticuli, the water molecule, the Sun, Stonehenge, the Golden Mean, the Great Pyramid, the human DNA helix, the Lord's Prayer, the Milky Way Galaxy, the Book of the Dead, the $100 bill, all this stuff when I broke to come onto this program. And so I want you to realize how fresh this is. Um, and so uh, being the first person to to hear these tones is uh, kind of earth-shattering because uh, they do sound so different from each other. And some of them are a little warmer, and some are a little more electronic. Some of them sound downright creepy and eerie. And, uh, yeah, I, but <laughs> using this process to hear these things, I'm thinking, okay, well, alright, what is the point of this? Okay, like that's the bottom line. Like, what is the point of this? Right. Um, well, what would you think is the point of this? Before I give you my thoughts, well, I mean, I,
0: I can see it's almost a, it's almost a language. It's almost a way to communicate. Um, it's almost a way to uh, be able to find more a more I, I don't know if spiritual is the right word, but a spiritual language that allows information to be passed in a way uh, that is different from its original or from the visual form that we're that we're used to.
2: Well, that's a that's a darn good uh, ex, ex, uh, well, explanation for this. So what do you think, Jason? What do you think is the point of this?
1: Um, honestly, I'm, I'm with Jim on that, so.
2: Okay, all right. Well, you know, I am right there on the edge of all this with you guys, and I'm thinking, well, if I were an alien and I knew how to play the fiddle then I would pick this stuff up and I would play it the way it was intended to be played. But I am on my own here. I don't have any reference point. There is no human, no alien, no spiritual being giving me any guidance here whatsoever. So what I'm doing is I'm scanning these things as fresh as possible. I'm I'm scanning every single one the same exact way, I'm capturing every one the same way, I'm processing every one the same way, and so when you hear them sound so different, I don't know what, again, that like objective reference point is that you're supposed to use in order to hear them properly, but by goodness, this is the first step this is the first step, and can you see how that I've come from this point of experimentation where I'm taking tones and turning them into images, and now taking images and turning them into tones. And I'm, I'm thinking that one way or another, this is the very first step in having the, the, the world, the universe, speak to us. I mean, people have always said, Uh, obviously like crop circles, even if they're man-made, all right, fine, they're man-made in some cases. Well, still, there's some kind of energy put in there into that pattern, and I really believe that this is the first big step in in, in interpreting that. And all of this does tie back into my time travel experiment. So I don't want to get too disjointed here, and then, you know, so you, you guys can tell me, uh, what direction you want to go, but uh, you can see I'm pretty excited about where I am right now and my research here tonight in Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, no, it, it sounds exciting, and it sounds also like we're going to have to continue and have a more depth in-depth conversation um, at another point because we're down to about 20 minutes left in the program, and we do need to connect this to the time experiments and the time slip and a time anomaly that you discovered near Las Vegas. So, if it's time to make that tr- transition, sorry about the pun, um, let's do it now let's let's tell us how it connects
2: okay well um last year which was just funny to say uh you know i guess it was in june i uh, was very fortunate to be the first person to experiment with the differential time rate meter the dt meter which was created by silicon valley engineer ronald heath Uh, he has been a follower of my podcast and my work for a long time, and he gave me the very first unit to go out into the field with. And I discovered some kind of a time anomaly north of Las Vegas on the way to Area 51. And that time anomaly, uh, was so well documented that it was covered by the local news, and the next thing I knew, it blew up all over the place, and it was covered by international news. So, I was inspired by that. Uh, and it, it, it was interesting to me that the, the finding this time anomaly, where it looked like time had slowed down a little bit, was coinciding with my work into parasimatics. And I wondered, you know, are are these connected in some way, or are these two totally separate things? Well, what I can tell you is that let's just start, you know, let's just keep with the time thing for a minute. When it comes to the time anomalies, I traveled all over Nevada and uh, California, and uh, I was looking for other time anomalies. I have not found another time anomaly. However, since I have produced that result, I have been getting all kinds of interesting emails from physicists and engineers saying, You know, if we talk about time machines and stuff like that, they're going to look at us like we're insane, like we're crazy. And so they've been giving me little tips on things that I can do in order to do some time machine experiments. Time travel is a little different. I think time travels too extreme. Time machine means you warp time at all. So I right now have been I've been doing some experiments where I've been taking lasers, very, very, very powerful lasers, and and sort of using them to potentially create a vortex to warp space time and i've been using the dt meter to see if i can make space-time warp at all because if so well that could explain a lot about what we experience here if we also realize there are natural space-time warps well so far i have not been able to do that but i have some new equipment that is coming in here this weekend that if it works properly is going to allow me to do the most intensive optical, like I'm talking like using super lasers with fiber optics and the DT meter, you know, like one of the most intensive, potentially, space-time twisting experiments that I've ever done. And so I guess what I'm, what I'm saying here is that I'm right here at this precipice. Where I tonight have made a breakthrough getting all of these tones that are coming from these images that sometimes are are from the past or from other point in space time, I'm about to now take optical uh well fiber optics and you know other optical effects and 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 use them to experiment with warping space time and ultimately. This all is about looking at how that time and tones kind of relate into the human experience of experiencing something from the past or something from the future and uh, you know if that makes me sound like a, a rambling insane man maybe I've finally gotten there but uh, you guys tell me does all that make kind of kind of sense to you or where I'm where where I'm heading with this.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. The problem is it doesn't make any sense because you have so many blanks to fill in yet, right? I mean, but that's the whole point of this. This is brand new information that you're tr- you've 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 discovered it, but you haven't been able to completely explain it and you're trying to find these connections if I'm reading this correctly.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a, a very nice way of uh, of putting it because, you know, there there are, I believe there are connections here that even I haven't discovered I, yet. And I think you're right, um, and I
0: think this this whole thing is fascinating. The fact that much of this work uh, has been going on but really breakthroughs were made an hour before this program began tonight yeah. makes it even more exciting. And the, and as you do this research, and, and Joshua, I'm always amazed at how you've been able to think outside of the box, if you will, and, and look at things from a perspective that most people wouldn't, which allows you to make these break, breakthroughs. Now, here's a, here's a couple of things. First of all, I want to jump to the phone lines um, because uh, we, I promised we'd get a few phone calls in here. But I but I want to ask you about the time slip specifically because when you discovered that and you explained it to us last time, you said it was, and I don't remember what the, was a, it was microseconds or something. I don't remember exactly what the unit of measurement was, but it wasn't very, you know, it was almost negligible, but it was there based on your your study. Now, has that... Uh, gap? Has that slip increased at all? Have you rechecked it to see if it's getting uh, more uh, uh, disparate?
2: Well, the anomaly that I captured uh, was uh, a slowdown in time of 25 microseconds per second, which for the layman time travel or a physicist could be considered like two hundred thousandths of a second per second. So it's very, very small. Right. And I have not since then measured anything larger than that, but the very fact that I measured that gives me hope that I might be able to artificially uh, reproduce that.
0: Right. All right, let's jump quickly to the phone lines here. This is Vince in Missouri. Hey, Vince, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, doing? Happy New Year, guys.
0: Thank you. Happy New Year.
2: Yeah, between the Time Warp and uh, the the uh, Parasomatics and the finding your magic, uh Mr. Warren, I would like to know your outlook, you know, your outlook on 2019 uh for the the world.
0: That's a pretty broad mm. question, Vince, but it's a good one. And I actually had a question similar, and let me just throw my angle on this to you, uh Joshua. It's a little off topic at the moment, but um you know, you you don't claim to be someone that makes predictions, but you have you know your 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 finger in the air gauging the wind of all these things we're talking about. Do you see any major breakthroughs in any of this work in this coming year?
2: Well, thank you for that question, Vince, and uh, I appreciate the clarification, JV, because you know, as far as I'm concerned, I really do see some kind of epic culmination for 2019. I really do. And, uh, you know, like you said, I'm not a big predictor of the future, but I'm pretty good. I've been pretty good throughout my life at sort of figuring out what the outcome of a year is going to be because I just keep up with the media. I keep up with scientific research. I have a certain idea about how things are going to evolve in advance. And so, I think 2019 is going to be uh, an historic year and uh, I believe that there's a good chance that I can contribute to that.
0: Thanks for the call Vince we appreciate that question. Um, we've got what about a minute and a half here left and and you know you've actually wet our appetite on all of this Josh so where do we go next? Well
2: the next two months are going to be crucial in the research that i'm doing and you know if it sounds like i'm just blatantly plugging my website so be it uh... if you go to <laughs> joshua dot com as you know there's no period after the p i have a free e-newsletter there i have a free podcast that i do on almost a daily basis it's uncensored it's undependent uh, independent. And and what I do is I just tell everybody what I'm up to with these experiments every day. Sometimes my podcast is five minutes, sometimes it's 20 minutes. But what I do is I just tell everybody what I'm up to every day. Um, I am one of the few people in this entire world that has no allegiance to a corporation, to a government agency. Uh, nobody can fire me. And so... I have the ability to say whatever I want to, and therefore, I, you know, I can't tell you what else to do than just stay on top of this because my feeling is I don't know if you call me paranoid or what, what not, but as soon as I discover something, I'm going to blast it out there immediately. I'm not going to wait to file a patent or get a copyright or do anything like that. I'm going to blast it out there immediately, and, uh, so, that's the, the best way to keep up with the progress that I'm making.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating uh, area of research that you're kind of uh, just beginning to scratch the surface on here. And I hope that you will uh, agree to come back and keep us updated as you do make uh, additional discoveries and start to define this and, 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 and get a real handle on what we're, what we're talking about.
2: Well, hey, next time, I'll have some tones to play for you. How oh, would you like that? Say, that here sounds, you go. That sounds Here's awesome. Here's what the Great Pyramids sound like. Here's what the sun sounds like. Yeah. Here's what Stonehenge sounds like. That's what I'll be doing for you next time I come on. So, Jason, JV, once again, thank you so much for having me on. And, uh hey, guys, what can I say? Happy New Year.
1: Josh, it's always a pleasure and you have a great night and we look forward to talking to you again. I need to talk to him at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Not like one, yeah, 12 o'clock at night and one in the morning. It's just... Uh,
0: I need to talk to him while he's diagramming it for me so I can actually Yeah, <laughs> if, yeah <laughs> I mean, if he could draw it out, I think it would much be easier. that much
1: easier. Much easier. So, alright, so make sure you tune in tomorrow. We've got readings with Rebecca. So, and make sure you call in early because she gives readings all night long and it's you know, the show goes fast and the lines get full Um, but uh yeah that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight some great shows next week make sure you check them out you're listening to jason and jv beyond reality radio we'll catch you all tomorrow